Hi, I'm Georgie Frost, and welcome to The Pace Setters, the CIO and HPE podcast series, which looks at how chief information officers get value from their data to stay ahead of the pack. Throughout this series, we'll be speaking to data-savvy CIOs and other leading experts to get practical tips on everything from designing a data strategy and improving your organization's data literacy to using AI to unlock new business insights. Now, in this episode, we're looking at how to bring order to your IT infrastructure so that you can do more with your data and get more from your teams. I've got two guests joining me on today's podcast who understand the challenges from two very different viewpoints. A gentleman Please introduce yourself if you would. Hi, I'm Adrian Tucker. I'm sitting in the capital of Wales in Cardiff today. Uh, It's a little bit damp, has another storm hit, but uh, good to be here. Uh, I'm a chief information officer. I've worked across both the private and public sector in retail Uh, telco and government. So I've had a good broad experience of how technology can both enable and actually stop businesses doing what they're trying to achieve. Hi, I'm Tony Stranach, and I'm sitting here in the capital of England uh, in the studio with Georgie. I'm a chief technologist with Hewlett Packard Enterprise HPE. We're sitting here on a Friday afternoon, and from my business's perspective, we have this concept called Wellness Friday, where one Friday a month they give us the opportunity to have the afternoon off and go and do things that will enrich our lives. So I'm very much enjoying enriching my life by being part of this podcast. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Adrian, I'm just going to come to you first. And if you could tell me why you think that IT infrastructure is so critical to how an organisation uses data today. I think um, data is, you know, one of those things that is now just becoming exponential. If you go back a few years, it's all been about digital, but you know, from the, on the back of digital, data is now getting to such a level that companies are almost having to use uh, the data reserves to understand its business and what its customers or, or um, citizens want. So the infrastructure around that is critical around not only how do you um, initially create that data, which is uh, becoming more important if you want to get some real good insight from that data at the other end, how you access that. So, you know, with the challenges of data security, uh, which has uh, been continuously in the news of the last few years, you need to um, essentially build your infrastructure so that it is accessible, but, you know, clearly not locked down so much that... um, that either people can't use it or you can't extract from it. So so infrastructure and, and the whole point around where you store your data, whether it be in the cloud or whether it uh, be on-premise, is, is really about what those outcomes are and those end goals. Um, it's not about the technology, it's about what you want to do with the data. So if you look at where data has been used in a very progressive way over the last sort of number of years, if you look at where people have exposed their data, the data that was always sit there, particularly in um, public sector environments where, you know, through open source, people have been able to uh, deliver apps for things like the London Underground from data that's widely um, now available. That you go back five years, that simply was sat there on on-premise servers, probably locked down and not available. So it's really about that whole piece about how do consumers and the citizens use the data that's stored whilst keeping it secure, but at the, at the same time, 
I think it's also about how do you drive uh, your business forward using that data. So if you look at the CIO role, if you go back a number of years, it was very much about keeping the lights on, keeping the technology running. I think now it's more about assisting people like CEOs to make good decisions through the data that's held, but also the technologies that's available. Just to add to uh, to what Adrian originally said about the explosion of data, I think uh, if we look back traditionally, data has always been created by applications which sit in the data center, which sit on some defined infrastructure. But nowadays, more and more, we're getting this term of data being created at the edge through sensors, through mobile phones, through video cameras, through all those kind of things. And that's creating data outside of the traditional boundaries of data center infrastructure. And we have to start thinking about how we handle that in different ways and how we value it and how we prioritise it and, and, and how we access it in uh, in many cases. Can, can I just come in on that point as well? Because I think um, quality of data is becoming a much bigger challenge. So the point there about data is being created in every possible way imaginable. And it's really about how you can trust the quality of that data. And, and, and we talked about too much data yeah, if you go back to physical infrastructure, uh, servers, etc., they have an end of life and they get decommissioned. You know, what doesn't tend to happen with data sets is they get decommissioned. Now, clearly, we're not talking potentially about deleting anything because of all the data rules. But what we, we should be starting to look at is how we make the data relevant and keep the live data live and where data perhaps has expired, it does get decommissioned in inverted columns because otherwise that data becomes really quite significant and um, it becomes much more difficult to manage. Adrian, I absolutely agree. And I think it's uh, it's not so much the data, uh, you know, exactly as you were just saying, or it is, it is the data, but it's how do you extract information from that data? So the data is not the hard bit. We can store that, but it's how do I then extract some value, extract some information from it? I want to go into more that detail of that a little bit later, but just in terms of the, the knock-on effect of data management, how you manage it properly across cloud and on-premise data centres, which is what you were talking about a little bit earlier. What are we seeing from different companies in terms of their IT infrastructure and what they look like and therefore the knock-on effect that that has? Well, I think you have two different views, really. You've got a forward look, which is normally data rules have been already given, so data is stored in a much more cleaner way than perhaps in the past. That's likely to be sat on the cloud, um, depending on what sort of sensitivity the data is. And, of course, the advantages of cloud is actually that accessibility point, not having to build loads of interfaces and, and, and being able to examine that data in a much broader sense. That's the future bit, but most companies have a fairly large legacy scenario, and CIOs generally struggle with actually knowing what that data is, knowing where that data is stored, but also how relevant that data is, and going back to that point about quality and accuracy, it's quite a difficult thing to go back through data to say, well, you know, should this still be used, should this still be live? So it's really... Um, a whole sort of challenge of dealing with the past and in some cases that data is still quite critical to the operation of the business particularly if there's customer information etc in there and drawing the line in the sand say well from this point we're going to have clear data strategy we're going to have a a clear data um, standard and we will put it into a very defined environment so it's really about how, how you play those two together and it really reinforces the point before about trying to find mechanisms to 
sort of put the data that perhaps is no longer relevant to the business or the quality is questionable on hold. Okay, now we've got a question for you, Adrian, and Tony as well, from Carl Hoods, the Chief Information Officer at the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, who was on episode one of The Pace Setters. I'd really like to know other people's experiences of how you cope with the challenge of uh, different data sets being available on-premise, in the cloud, subscription services that other parts of the organisation might have, and how you really make sense of that data when you're not necessarily in control of it or understand where it might be sitting. Are there any tools or or, uh, other approaches that you've taken to help solve that problem? The reason I ask that question is it's a challenge that I've experienced in the past, and I know from speaking to peers and colleagues, it's something they're actively trying to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Tony? Yeah, no, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a challenge that many, many, many face. And uh, I think, you know, if you look back, you mentioned legacy systems, is that it was, it was bad enough trying to understand how and where all your infrastructure assets were, how the physical hardware and everything connected together when we were just dealing with data center, you know, our own on-premise data centers. But now you add into that public cloud and the agility and the speed and everything that that brings, people are able to proliferate data across a far broader spectrum of different worlds almost and and trying to get management and control around all of those assets those data assets wherever they sit is incredibly hard as i said we've been challenged by that and uh, you know I, I, to me it's actually gone beyond uh, human capability you know we're going to have to change the way that we think about doing this no longer is it a person with a spreadsheet who has this server attaches to this piece of disk on this network and and this is the data we're just way 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 beyond that and i think we're going to more and more start to look at tools like artificial intelligence that can detect the patterns of the workloads and the type of data and who's accessing that data to draw its own conclusions and look at different ways i mean one of the things that frustrates me more than anything is that uh, you know anyone who's introducing a new piece of infrastructure a new application is all oh, managed by a single pane of glass and we end up with many, many different panes of glass all taking different perspectives and none of them actually achieving what it is that you want to achieve that gives you that visibility across the whole piece. So I really do think we're at a point where we have to start looking at how we address these things in in ways that we probably haven't thought of in the past. Adrian? Yeah, I, I, mean, I feel Carl's pain, as he said, and many CIOs are feeling this this challenge and, and agree what Tony's just said, you know, it's gone beyond a sort of manual human touch and it, and it is about how do you start to orchestrate all these uh, lines of data together. I think it also is really quite key about what you're trying to do with that data as well. So it's it's about having that clear part of your data strategy that that talks about nowhere, no matter where that data spun up from, it's what the outcome is going to be around what the business is going to try and do with it. That will allow a certain a number of sort of data standards to be put in place that will help, but it won't solve that multi-source challenge. And I think it is now about uh, looking to the industry to, to come up with some solutions. You know, there are orchestration tools out there. There are software available to start to try and pull some of that together. But it, it is about 
having that real defined outcome for me um, and it's certainly something that's been a real challenge and particularly as the amount of data grows and, and as Tony said earlier about the fact that data can now come in from every, anywhere if you go back five years you could probably control that you know the floodgates are now open so there needs to be something on those floodgates that smooth the path of that data into the organisation. We're talking about challenges what about in terms of staffing and resources with all of these things that we're talking about? Yeah, no, I, you know, just as I said, a lot of this stuff has gone beyond the point of where you can sit there and go, you're in charge of the infrastructure. You're in charge of managing the infrastructure. It's yours. Because there is just not the capability of a, a single person or a group of people or a team of people to actually do that any longer. The tools that they have have been uh, traditionally baked into, you know, managing a particular application or a particularly part of infrastructure. And more and more, we've got to look more holistically across the whole piece and, and and to me it's what's the telemetry data that the data i'm mentioning it again it's funny how it crops up all the time isn't it but what's the telemetry metrics that we can get from the environment so that we can do things like fingerprint access to particular types of data look at the patterns of people that are, uh, are looking at it so then we can we can judge what are the availability requirements what are the access requirements what are the security requirements of that data and i do think it is beyond just a pure man power task nowadays and uh, you know we've got to look for new tool sets and how we complement that that the human part with doing things in new ways new processes new tool sets and i think there's opportunity to use some of the technology available you you mentioned tony ai before i've been doing a bit of work recently about with um, rpa robotic process automation which has been actually about cleaning up the data. So going back to that historical data that perhaps you know isn't in the format that everyone would like it to be, there has been quite a bit of success in, in using RPA to start to sort of uh, put a comb through that data and make it more usable. And I think there are technologies within our own workspace that can be you know, employed on this, but it is really about them bringing that all together in that single data point that allows the business to draw what it needs and not having many, many of the same data sets in many different parts of the business, which is also a challenge. No, great point, Adrian. Absolutely agree. And it's we're starting to build the tools individually, but it's how we start coordinating those together to manage the whole big issue. But uh, yeah, absolutely. There's tools like AI, all those things, but coordinating them is the challenge at the moment. Where do you see that going? AI, the future automation. AI and the future of automation. Someone goes for me right now. (laughs) Now there's a there's an open question. Yeah, just briefly in terms in terms specifically of of helping organisations get a handle of their infrastructure, of their applications, their data. Where are we at at the moment? We will of course be talking about this further on in the podcast episodes, but for now, yeah. Well, I I think you know one of the challenges that uh, that we look at, especially within infrastructures, and now that they're virtualized and uh, containerized and all this kind of stuff is that everything moves in real time nothing is fixed you know in the good old days where you had a physical piece of hardware that connected to another physical piece of hardware it wasn't too hard to track where all those assets were and everything else but now that everything is fluid and everything is agile and everything moves in real time it's virtually impossible to track that 
that kind of stuff. So that is where, you know, whether it's AI or, or whatever it is, it can take the telemetry points and keep track in real time of where these things are. When resources are running short for a particular business process that is critical, it can then demand more resources or it can look across the infrastructure, find where those resources are and just add those resources uh, on demand. That is not something that a human can do nowadays to give us the flexibility and the agility that we need. And I think that's an interesting point because one of the things that has struck me over the last year or so is, you know, who automates the automation? Because one of the challenges when you start to use AI and RPA in, in any anger, it's really understanding what those um, those processes are doing. Um, and again, because of the scale of some of these things, that it goes back to your point there, Tony, that it's, it's gone beyond someone being able to manage and understand that. So. Yeah, it's the same challenge that the data itself has, you know, as these automation and AI and all that piece of uh, the technology starts to grow, how do we then manage that as well? So it, it, it is about bringing that central view and really understanding what you're trying to achieve. Okay, we have another question for Adrian and Tony, and this time from Aid McCormack, a digital strategist. My question is, how are you planning to protect your data as we see the proliferation of what you might call edge-type devices? With the arrival of IoT, data is going to come from all sorts of sources, and maybe the data will reside in those devices uh, or be pulled into the central repository in in some capacity. So each of these new devices uh, that arrive on the scene, and they'll arrive perhaps by the hundreds or the thousands, each represent another entry point into the organization from a a hacking or a security, cybersecurity perspective. So how will you manage your data in the context, if you like, of increasingly edge-based devices? And my reason for asking this is because I'm seeing with the the clients that I'm advising that they are tentatively looking at IoT, but they haven't really worked out or even thought about, to a large extent, the consequences of having an ultra-distributed, if you like, data architecture. Adrian, the question to you also, did what? aid say there at the end resonate with you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it it is uh, one of the big challenges now about as you open up, particularly to things like edge devices, let people work from where they need to, let people um, add in data to your organisation pretty much from anywhere nowadays. And and it sort of draws back to the whole challenge around security anyway, but also particularly around the sort of sensitivity of data security. If you go and look at where that this whole sort of piece has been, it's been very much on the perimeter. It's been about protecting the perimeter of your systems um, and, you know, hoping that people don't get through that initial line of defence. And I think, you know, what we are increasingly now having to do is build security at the heart. So that data flowing in, you know, actually when it hits the core of our systems, has got a ring of protection around it that even if you, you know, allow people into your network, and I say allow in inverted commas because obviously 
often you're not allowing people in, um, but it's really about sort of how do you protect the core rather than the perimeter. But it's it's still a challenge because it's um, a real difficult scenario of, you know, all these data sources coming in. If you look at some of the uh, biggest data hacks, it's been because of unknown portals or unknown entry points to an organization. And actually, we're now almost allowing that and allowing that through the technology strategy. So... It's something that needs significant thought. I don't think there is a catch-all silver bullet at the moment, but it is about moving the security back deeper into the organisation, but also, you know, as I said at the beginning, really making sure that it's still able to be used and, and allowing people and users to do what they need to do. Yeah, and I, I think um, there's a fundamental that goes with this as well when we start to think about IoT or whether, you know, data being created outside in different environments. And this is a fundamental design approach. You know, we've already mentioned legacy systems and uh, and how they work, but we think about the design of a legacy system. You kind of start at the top and say, oh, I need a database. Who does a database? And you start with the database and you say, that's going to run on, on a server and it needs an operating system. You kind of go down this infrastructure stack of, of operating system server network connectivity, disk drives, and then you think about backup and things like that afterwards. But you, you have this kind of application down approach, and then the, the data sits within that application, and you can copy that data outside and do things like that. But it's kind of contained that way. In this new world, the data is being generated outside of any application, and then you've got to deal with that in a different way, because now you want to make that data presentable to applications. You might not know what that application is. So you're going to land that data in as, uh, you know, standardized, as virtualized an environment as you possibly can so that you can point an application to it and start extracting some value uh, from it as quickly as you can. But but exactly as Adrian's just said, that introduces a whole new set of security uh, issues. You know, no longer is it contained within the application. You've got, uh, you know, actually you, you may well be getting business value by offering somebody else access to your data. How do you kind of control that? How do you audit it? How do you ensure that what they've touched is only what they're allowed to touch? And so I think this security part comes into a bigger part, which is access. And we talk about access, you know, security is part of that, but it's also controlled. It's also audited. Who's done what? You maybe want to bill someone for uh, for, for accessing your data. So, But it's that actually it's, it's now that I've got the data, how do I move things to it rather than having an application with the data contained in it? I think that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, that that's where things like data classification starts to come in. You know, the worst possible, I guess, scenario would be to expose data you weren't planning to expose. Um, so, the, you know, the whole point of being able to take this data from multiple sources and potentially expose it. And an example I gave, it, gave earlier was things like the London Underground apps. You know, most of those have been built by developers rather than London Underground. They let their data be available for that purpose. But, of course, you know, it is about the classification about is this publicly you know, accessible data or is it not? And that then becomes part of the same challenge we talked about earlier about knowing your data, knowing where your data is residing. And as that data comes in from all these multiple touch points, being able to classify it and control it and go back to that point about data quality. Because if you end up exposing some of this data that's completely, and particularly in a public sector point of view, that could be quite catastrophic. So it, it is about that whole 
planning of how you expose that data. And to your point there, Tony, if you then want to start charging for that service, then that's got to be a very clean and work through um, scenario. And that's it's getting there, but I think there's a lot more work to do on that. Absolutely agree. Yeah, it's that that audit capability, you know, which again I combine with uh, with when we talk about access, it's more than just the security elements. It's everything else that we're going to need to add or track around the data to enable some of these things. All right, gentlemen, what practical tips, I'm going to move you on from that because we could talk all afternoon, uh, can you give to CIOs and business leaders? Let's get practical, shall we? Who want to build a, a modern IT infrastructure that fulfills business demands and as well, though, which is a able to, to help businesses harness the power of this data that we keep talking about. Shall I, shall I go first? Yes. Yeah, okay. Go, Tony. Um, well, I, I think it follows on, actually. A good question, Georgie. It follows on from what we're just saying. I, I love this concept that's starting to come out of, of data gravity. Yeah? It's the, the fact that the data has the gravity, and we should think about how we move the applications to the data rather than moving the data to the applications or where it is. So I think it, it kind of flips on your head a bit like I was describing about the design processes, is think about the data in, in the first place and then how I create a flexible enough infrastructure to be able to move the applications to it so that I can start exploiting it and starting getting some value. And I think that will, when, when you can start to think about things that way, it helps you think a lot about where do I want to keep that data? Do I want to keep that on-premises in my own data center? Am I happy to put that in public cloud? But you're th- thinking about the data first and the application second, which is, again, a flip to the way that we've normally thought about things. I completely agree. And and I think I'd add to that by saying, you know, going back to the point around knowing what the outcome will be, CIOs increasingly are now having to talk to CEOs about business opportunities, if it's in the private sector, or ability to create value for money for the public sector. And I think it is about understanding those outcomes. What is the data there to do? How do you become data driven? How do you take data sets and make some pretty um, serious board decisions that perhaps in the past has been done on gut? So it is about where it's stored. It is about how accessible it is. Um, It is about how sensitive it is, but it's really about understanding um, where you want to take that whole data footprint, but also how you're going to deal with legacy because most companies have this legacy? Um, Do you lift and shift volumes of data um, into the cloud or do you become much more clear and much more segmented about what you move and what you don't move? And going back to the point I made before about decommissioning data, do you sort of put it into a repository to say actually that data is either not trustworthy or, or we cannot agree its provenance and therefore make sure that doesn't get picked up in any future system um, pool. What about weighing up the pros and the cons, though, of cloud computing versus on-premise? And how, I suppose, have they changed over time? I I think they have, and I think we're still learning. I mean, uh, just following on what from Adrian was saying there, is I think one of the things that uh, that we've learned from uh, public cloud is the fact that actually you can move large volumes of data there, and it's very close touch point to some of the tools that you want to exploit that. But if you change your mind or you realize you've moved something out to the cloud, actually it's the e 
regress that can be very, very expensive. And taking that data back and rebringing it back on on premise can actually have a very, very different charging model than if you hadn't put it out there in the first place. So I still think there is uh, is lessons to be learned. So really, you know, what are the pros and cons? It's consider what you want to do with it. Consider not just the short term gain, but the longer term, what you're going to do with it. Are you okay to keep it out there? What happens if you want to repatriate it back onto your own premise? And you've got to think through some of those challenges, which, uh, which you know, we didn't have in the past when it was all under, you know, if you like, the central data center and all under our control. Yeah, and I think also it's about it is about that balance. So there's lots of benefits of cloud in terms of the cost of running it, the backups and things. But it's also very easy to overrun a cloud environment, keep servers spinning longer than you have, put data in there that you're probably never going to use again. Um, so it's really about exactly what Tony's just said, really understanding what, what you're going to do with it. Some things aren't suitable for the cloud. It may be because of its sensitivity. It may be because... You know, it goes back to that point before about we're just really not clear about what that data is. So it is getting balance. Um, there are lots of things that can go to the cloud. Certainly, in my experience, I lifted and shifted quite a lot of um, data to the cloud that was then usable. But it's also very clear that in terms of your cost management, you need to understand. You know, what are you going to do with it? It's not just some sort of garage for data. And what? Finally, your advice, if that's all right. What advice would you have for other CIOs that are looking to streamline their data requirements? Again, I think Adrian mentioned it, classification first. And I think that's whether that's classification of the data into what's going to be usable, you know, what's maybe not going to be so usable. Why am I storing multiple copies of the same kind of data? And then make sure it's stored appropriately. Yeah? Make sure that the platform that you're storing it on is not just uh, appropriate um, from the way that you want to use it, but from a cost perspective, from an availability perspective, all those kind of things. But that categorization is, is important because if you you just put everything onto primary online storage, it's going to cost you an absolute fortune and we're not slowing down in the speed that we make it. I completely agree. I think it's about just making sure that the data sets you're calling upon and using all the time that are backing up your primary services, yeah, that that's the sort of things that you need instantly available. But there is a lot of data that's there for archive or for customer history, for example, that you, you can look at different ways of storing that more effectively and more cheaply um, so it's a get that classification understand that data and understand really what you're going to plan to do with that data thanks to my guests adrian tucker and tony stranach in the next episode we'll be talking to gavin mander who is head of data programs for a uk government department and tobias Rolz, who is vice president of global it and digital business at Comax, while we're talking to them about designing a data strategy and how that can help CIOs gain a competitive advantage. 